The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. It uh, just occurred to me as Dave and I were talking that the last time that Dave shared with us was also a year that the Seahawks were playing in the Super Bowl eight years ago. And as uh, some of you at the end saw a few weeks ago, as my son Colin would say, go Seahawks. In fact, it was pretty funny. This last week, uh, Colin picks up this little Nerf football that was, that was on the floor at our house, and he, and he picks it up, and he kind of takes a step back, and then he runs as hard as he can right at me, and he just goes, beast mode. <laughs> so... You know, fear not. As, as I, I see a lot of Seahawk jerseys out there. I know you guys are fired up uh, about the Seahawks, and my son Colin is too, because uh, he is too. See what I did there? Um, yeah, I know. That's called dad humor. Uh, I do want to introduce to you our speaker. For those of you that were at the inn a few weeks ago, you, you heard me uh, in some ways share with you about how smart he is uh, with degrees from the University of Washington, Princeton Seminary, Seattle Pacific University. So he's got those credentials. Uh, more importantly, if it was not for his presence in a woman named Julie Ann Wilson's life, I may not have met her and she would have never become Julianne Church and, you know, that whole thing, you know, what happens, you know, the butterfly effect type deal. Uh, but what I want to share with you about Dave tonight as he gets ready to, to share with us is there's uh, a Greek word, uh, therapuo, and the word therapuo in Greek means, is a verb that means to heal. Dave is a therapist and there's no doubt that as I've seen him and known people that he has met with over the years, uh, what he, perhaps it could be said that his spiritual gift is the gift of healing. Uh, and, and so it's a gift that I think he brings uh, to us this weekend. And one of the things that I, I, as you listen to Dave, I think you'll catch this. Uh, but I think it's one of the reasons that I, I am eager to have him be with you this weekend is that as, as much as anybody else in my life, what Dave communicates uh, to individuals, and I think you'll catch this to groups as well, is it seems that the nail he hits over and over is that you matter. Uh, you don't just kind of fit in. Rather, you really matter. And there have been some, uh, in, the, in the course of our friendship, there have been some key times where Dave has been there to remind me that I matter. Uh, you, you matter to God, you matter to those around you, uh, and as trivial and as tough as life may seem at times, you matter. And so he, all that to say, he has a heart for you. As I shared uh, at the end, he's a former college pastor, but in some ways, he's, con he's continued to work with students in his practice as a therapist. So please, would you join me in once again welcoming my good friend, Dave Lutz. I'm going to go down here. Oh. That was him. Just impressive. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose you have to do that. I know. And that's going to be way too low for me. Yeah. There we go. This is more your style, right? That's it, buddy. He makes fun of me. 
because my eyes are getting worse. So I have to have the, the thing way up high. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Um, let's pray. God, thank you for everybody here. Oh, it's good to be uh, in this place and hear laughter. I am, uh, I believe you have a sense of humor and I believe you laugh um, and that you enjoy watching people just have fun and laugh and um, sing. I pray for people here tonight who are very, very tired, who came here tonight anyway. I pray for people here tonight uh, who don't know anyone and feel nervous. I pray that they will be reached out to, that they will not leave as they came. I pray for people who are half here, half somewhere else because they've got tough stuff going on in their lives, things that are not solved, things that are not finished, stories that are literally being written right now they don't know how it's going to end. And Lord, I pray for those people here that are just glad to be here. I'm thankful for them. The ones that just couldn't wait to get here. For those people that somehow they are in a great place and are following you in a way that fills them with life. I pray for their joy and their life to spread around here. We could all use some of that. May your spirit reign in this place and no joke, Lord, we ask because we need you to do it. We can't do it. All the program we put together cannot make happen what only your spirit can make happen, for sure. We pray that we will leave here not just having met with each other, but with a very clear understanding in our spirit that we kept an appointment with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll tell you what, I have climbed. um, As Ryan said, I was a college pastor for several years, and um, I would take college students climbing 14ers, and I was in Wisconsin, so they'd never been above elevation of like seven feet. And, you know, it was like 10 feet, like my nose bleeding. And, um, you know, got to get back down, got to get back down. And, um, but we would take them to Colorado and we would do these trips and this before cell phones, we would divide them up into two teams and we would do this amount, amazing amount of work to try to summit at the same time from two opposite sides of the mountain. And, um, I've done that. I've seen just the toughest of tough colleges. It was always the gals would just kick butt at that thing. I was always amazed. Dave, look, blister, size of a silver dollar on the foot. Been hiking for about, you know, whatever, 10 miles, no problem. And, um, and uh, just awesome times like that. And I've, I've been at those places where it's just life harrowing, where you just feel like, oh my gosh, are we going to make it out of this? I've river rafted, all that stuff. But I have never seen, I am not, I, I've never seen anything more dangerous than the orange pass that you just did. It was unbelievable. I saw positions and people looking at each other, are we going to do this? Because this is going to change our relationship. And some people saying, no, I'm not doing this. Oh my gosh, I can't. Where's Grant? Where's Grant? Where's Grant? Grant, you got to come up here for a second. I've known Grant for a long time. And, <laughs> oh, this could take a while. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
So I want to show you, this is what I see. You guys are seeing Grant doing his thing. Here's what I see. Is I see me in about another 10 years. Like I'm just looking going, I started wearing those pants and I'm, I'm sitting there going, they're going to be that high. Exactly. And I'm wearing the black socks. Thank you. I just wanted to get a visual. I just thought when I saw you, I just thought, oh my gosh, that's where I'm going. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> at your age, it's like, ha ha ha. My age, I'm like, ha ha. Oh. <laughs> I want to make some changes. Uh, I'm honored to be here. You know, it's funny. It was eight years ago. In 2006, I, uh, six, I spoke here when I was, I'd only been a therapist for two years. And um, I was just starting out. I was, I was really in a place of just, you know, kind of finding my way. It was, it was great. But you know what's really interesting? It was 24 years ago that I came to one of my very first events at the end, the winter retreat, um, when I was a senior. 24 years ago. And I was telling Ryan, I was like, that's so long ago, that's not even cool. Like, it's just kind of like, oh, old man. Um, and, I, and I was just thinking, but it is just amazing to me. I remember what it was like to be in the, they're going, yeah, it, 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 you're right, it is old. <laughs> I just watched you guys, yeah, yeah, right, good. Um, <laughs> but I remember, and you know, the, the funny thing is, is it, this, I, for me, doing this is such a joy, but I'm actually more introverted than extroverted. That's true. I'm much more likely to kind of go off on my own, or, or that's my, my propensity. So being thrown into a retreat was like, and I was so new to the whole Christian thing. I mean, I had grown up in a church, but it was one of those kind of churches where it was kind of like, hey, dude, you know, like, Ed, welcome and peace. And there was, I'd never really opened a Bible before. I mean, that was new to me. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know what that, you know, wouldn't have known where to go with a Bible. I come to this retreat because somebody had been pestering me forever to go. I finally went, and it was like going into shock. I mean, there were people like, hi, you know, you know the greeting at retreats, you know, that kind of wide-eyed look, and I'm like, I don't know who you are, and you're looking at me like that. And, and everybody was really huggy. I'm not a big hugger. You know, it was just, oh, well, you know, it's like, don't do that. You know? uh, you're hugging me again. Um, and I just remembered this feeling of almost like fear. Like, I just don't even know who, I don't know how to do They're singing songs and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know this, what the song is. And, um, and so I just, you know, there's a part of me that just says, you know, to those of you who, who are here and, and you don't know if you necessarily uh, fit the typical mold or you feel like, you know, you're kind of sitting on the fringes. I, you know, I, I feel that. And I just want to tell you, um, you know, I'll probably be sitting at lunch. Come and sit with me because, uh, and, and I'll talk with you. It'll be good to meet you. Um, I'm glad you're here. And, um, and then for the rest of you that fit this thing, you know, naturally just go easy on us because uh, we're, we're working on it. But it is an honor to be here, it really is. If you'd asked me way back then, 24 years ago, and said, do you think you'll be speaking at a retreat in 24 years? I said, no way. But I am, and, I, and I, when I came in here, I was telling Ryan that it is, you are the, I, the I'm honored to be here, and I don't just say that. What I, I really mean, I feel this sense of reverence. Because what I visualize is I visualize Jesus looking at you. And you guys are the ones. You're the ones that somehow, and I don't know how you did it. I don't know how, it got, how you got here. But somehow, somewhere, somebody either tapped your shoulder. Somehow you heard an announcement. And you were able to clear your schedule. Get in a car. Get with people. And somehow you're here. Somehow you are the people that said yes. That saw that have somehow, and I don't know where you are in your faith walk, but somehow 
you have seen Jesus. Now, there's some people here who are going, not me. I'm not a Christian yet. I have my faith says that Jesus is more involved in your life than you think. Or you wouldn't be here. I do believe that. We can disagree, by the way. In, that, in this room, it's okay to disagree with me all the time. Love it. But I believe that you are here not by accident, that you are here because Jesus is doing something in your life right now. And for some of you, you're in that place where you can't hear God to save your life. You pray and it feels like you are sitting in an empty room. You feel like an imposter. You're just faking it till you make it. Don't give up. That you are here, you trust in the love, the pulling love of God, that God has got you here. I'm also honored because I have worked long enough with college people to know you all carry a lot on your shoulders. There's a time in life where I, what I love about college age people such as yourselves is this fearless willingness to look at everything, everything you've been raised with, everything you've been born to think is true. You're suddenly pulling it apart and taking a new look at it. You're questioning things. Things that are happening in your family are happening right now. Or even if they happened when you were a kid, that's still not that long ago. You're still dealing with it. The story is still going on. I know I talked to a young gal the other day, sophomore. She's carrying, it's like a backpack. She's carrying this pain all of her life of being this middle child. Good kid. Does the right things. Always. And that's her prison. She can't get out of it. Because her siblings on left and right are the ones that keep screwing up. Parents focused all their energy on these kids to keep messing up over and over again. So she grew up feeling like she was an only kid. She felt like no one even knew she existed. So you can watch the way that she dresses and the way that she, she, she does the stuff. You look at her and you'd notice her because no one notices her. Has this pain, like she carries it around and she's, she's carried it so long, it's like, you could almost watch the weight on her shoulders, how, how she walks. She walks even a little bit slow, like she's carrying this pack with this pain. Because there's a need that we have to be noticed, to be seen, to really be seen. When you go home and your parents look at you and they say, tell me how you're growing. <laughs> I just got the look. My parents have never done that. Like, what parents are you talking about? I want to move there. Some of you are lucky enough to have that. And you know that feeling of just having someone look at you and really look past the veneer, the things that we all put out. We all do a little bit, don't we? Some kind of a presentation. We all kind of want people to see us their way. That's just human. I'm not saying anything bad about that. But we want someone to look past that, don't we? We want someone to look past and go, I see, what's your name? Byron. Byron. I want to look past what, I want to look, I want to know Byron. We want to be known. And that thirst to be known. Some of you are carrying around this pressure to perform. Some of you know what it's like. And you know that there's this feeling of, I've got to achieve, I've got to achieve, I've got to achieve, I've got to achieve. There's, every time you go home, they're saying, well, have you decided what you're going to do for summer? It's October. <laughs> no, I don't know. 
Some of you said, I think I might, I want to, I might want to go, you know, uh, on a mission trip. And they're like, why? That's going to get in the way of your program. How are you going to raise the money? How are you going to do it? Don't think it's going to work. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Even if they don't say it, it's almost like there was a vision. There was a frame, a wood frame put together, a canvas put together, and you were painted into a picture that you were supposed to live into. You're supposed to look a certain way, perform a certain way, achieve certain things, play certain sports, do certain majors, marry a certain kind of person. You were just born into this picture, this still life. And every time, and every time you move out, you're like this, oh, no. And the whole family just goes, here, move back into your place. And everybody goes, oh, it's so good. Every time you do right, that when you're in your picture, everybody goes, yeah. And every time you move out, they're going, ooh, you're worrying us. We're worried. Pressure. Pressure from a family can be a big deal. Systems theory, which is the way, way I've been trained, systems theory says that a system is a natural thing. This is a system. There can be a pressure to be a certain way here. There's a pressure to be extroverted here. Someone says, I think I'm just going to take some quiet time. I'm like, what? <laughs> and not join the fun? Pressure. It's good pressure sometimes. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard to go against that pressure when you feel like you're a certain bird and you're living in a bunch of other birds and they're all going, quack, 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 quack. Come be a duck, 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 duck. Ducks are the best. Duck, 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 duck. You're not a duck. Every time I try to be a duck, I sink. Tired. Some of you had a specific thing happen to you that hurt you. That's true. I heard a story the other day, and I won't go into details on it, but I had a young man tell me a story. Uh, no, he he's, excuse me. This guy's in his 40s telling me about a story when he was a young man. And he told me a story about some things that happened. His mom and his dad had divorced and he was in a house just with his mother. His parents said, you guys pick who you want to live with. Who do you pick? Tough choice, huh? He's carried this all this time like a backpack. He says, Dave, you're the first person I've ever told this story to. He tells me this story about one night when he's nine years old. And an event that happened and it never got spoken about again. Some of you have gone through something like that. You had the thing happen. And it just got put in the backpack. Whatever happened with it, you carry it. That's hard. And you got to kind of do life around it. It's hard. Every now and again it pops out and you don't know what's happening when it pops out. That's tough. And yet, this is the crazy thing. Here you are. Anyway, with all the stuff you do and all the stuff you've been through and all the stuff you're thinking about and all the stuff you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go? Will I be able to make it? Do I have what it takes? Is anyone ever going to know me? Am I on the right path or am I on the wrong path? I know some of you. Some of you are like, like sleuths, like detective, trying to figure out every step that you think God is going to hopefully lead you on that's going to be exact. No, get off the chair, go this way. Like a divining rod. Like literally, God, baby, am I going? I don't know. I'm, I'm seeking everybody's advice from everybody. You're so nervous that if you get off the wrong path that you're going to, I don't know what's going to happen. God's going to zap you. You're going to fall off a cliff. And God goes, well, shoot, I gave you a sign back there. It was in that 
billboard that you drove by had a secret message for you, and you missed it. (laughs) And now you have a bad marriage. Not my fault. So nervous, and yet here you are. I'm going to read for you, and I got glasses this time. Yeah. I had this time, one of the things I used to do when I was a pastor, we all, it was kind of a prideful thing we, we did. We, we liked that we would all carry these little pocket Bibles and we would just wear the crap out, just wear them out, just walk and pull out our, oh, sorry, the pages fell out of my pocket Bible. You know, just, <laughs> excuse me. Ezekiel just fell out. Let me put it back in. I'm going to read now. Oh, sorry. It's all inked up because I've underlined everything. <laughs> I pull out my pocket Bible, no joke. I pulled it out. I was, this was like four years ago. I pulled it out. I hadn't read this thing for, forever. I pulled it out. I, don't have, I did not have glasses yet. And I, and I pulled it out. I was like, can you read this? And I literally had to have the person right there read the scripture for me because I couldn't read it. So anyway, John, <clears throat> you've heard, some of you have. Let me read this for you. I'm going to read the first chapter here. And what I, here's, here's the thing that I'd like you to do with, with me this weekend. Let me set some rules up. One, I really do love it when people disagree. When I do this in council stuff, I do this all the time. I say, the day that I'm going to be rejoicing is the day when you come back and say, Dave, I think you're full of crap. I love that day. You know why? Because it tells me your brain's engaged. I love it. And if their brain's engaged, you're going to be thinking and you're going to be smarter. And I'm going to get smarter. I have, I have in, my, in my, my office, I, have, I can't. See, you put these things on and I start getting dizzy. I have in my office, no joke, I have a cork, a cork board, and on top of it, or, or pinned to it, are probably a hundred little yellow slips of paper. And on each one of those little yellow pieces of paper is something smart somebody said that I didn't know. And I said, I don't want to totally steal that. I'm going to write a book, I'm going to plagiarize you, not give you any credit, and that's my <laughs> retirement. I tell them that. I'm running this big scam, and I'm awesome. Wait, say it again. I'm stealing that. That's awesome. And, uh, and some of those things are, or, you know, we're right after Dave, I think you're full of crap. Here's what I think is true. And then I was, oh, good, better. I wish I'd said that. <laughs> the second thing is when we're reading scripture, here's what I want to invite you to. You know what? It's easy to think with your mind, but I want to challenge you to see with your imagination. Jesus did this all the time. He was dealing with a bunch of Jewish people that were so literal. And I've told you this story before. There's a reason for their literalness. They're trying to get it exactly right. A lot of times like we are, trying to get it exactly right. We're trying not to make a misstep. We're trying not to get on the wrong path. We're trying to do it exactly right. And their idea literally was, and some of you have heard me say this, their idea is if we do it exactly right, then God's going to show us favor again and give us the life we want, a life where we have freedom a sense of identity, a sense of being able to worship in freedom, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of connection. So we want to get it exactly right. So we want to get it as literal as we can. So we're thinking and dicing. And Jesus came along and he says, listen, I want you to use your imagination. You want to know about the kingdom? I want you to imagine a field. And in this field, there's a pearl. And you know it's there, so you go and you sell everything you have because you know that everything that you have is worth this field. You all know what that's like. He would ask them to gauge their imagination all the time. Will you do that? When we're reading the scripture, I want you to imagine, some of you, you're courageous enough, you might even close your eyes. Picture this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was the beginning. This is the most confusing beginning of the gospel, but bear with me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was the beginning 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being. What John is doing is introducing Jesus. He's saying, I'd like to introduce you to somebody. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. So you're going to start catching this idea, this, this theme with John about this idea of darkness and light, and kind of coming out in the dark and suddenly being able to see. You saw it one way, now you're going to, it's almost like Paul with the scales falling off. All of a sudden, you're going to be able to start, you're going to open your eyes, and what was right in front of you, suddenly is going to look very different. That's the theme that John is going to start chipping at, chipping at. He says, there came a man sent from God whose name was John, from God whose, or, or he came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light, meaning that he's going to come and start telling people. Now you can imagine all these Hebrews doing their stuff. They're doing their fishing. They're doing their farm. They're farming. They're doing their businesses. They're doing their family. They're blah, 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 blah. And they've been doing this for generation upon generation. Some of you know what that's like. You come from a place where your family way is every Christmas. What do we do? Matching pajamas. <laughs> and we all wear them. Everybody. You know, like, the, and yes, you will go up and get your pajamas you understand? Some of you have those traditions and you can feel we've always done it this way. I can't even imagine doing it a different way. We always open our Christmas presents on Christmas morning. And then you meet someone who opens their Christmas presents on Christmas Eve and you look at them like, what? That's crazy. Like, that can't work. Um, so John is going to start talking about Jesus. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was, there was the true light coming into the world, which enlightens every man. This idea of starting to be able to see anew is literally that, the Greek word in that word of enlightenment is almost like become, from going from blindness to being able to have sight. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world, this is the key, the world did not know him. So they're walking around this world that the word, Jesus, was a part of. That in the beginning, in Genesis, when all of this stuff is coming around, somehow Jesus is in the midst of all of that. So we're walking through every day. We see the trees, we see the stuff, we see the people, we see the that God, Jesus has been all the way through in the midst of this creation where it's like we're walking right, right past it. I have this little picture of me when I was three, and it's one of my first Easter pictures. And there's this picture of this gigantic pink egg on the couch, sitting right there, and I'm walking like that. I can't, you know, it's like I'm walking right past, and I can't see, I just, I don't even know what I'm looking for. I'm just walking right past this gigantic colored Easter egg. And that's kind of the way it is. It's like what Jesus, what he's saying is, Jesus is in the midst, he's all the way through it, and yet we can't see it. He says he came to his own, and those who, who were his own did not receive him, meaning that he came into the Hebrew culture because that's where he's coming from, and they're not going to receive him. They're not going to accept him. But as many as received to them, listen to this, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What he's saying is we're going to start branching out from the Hebrew, from the Hebrew uh, culture, which was to a Hebrew crazy. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him and cried out. Now here's where the story starts, and you can visualize him down 
saying, he, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has higher rank than I, for he existed before me. So what you picture is is John down by the water, baptizing people, telling them there's something coming. There's this Greek word kairos, which is not, which is, means time, but it's not chronos, which is, it's 3.30. Kairos means it's the right season. When you talk about apples coming, that's kairos. He's talking about a kairos that is coming, where this new inbreaking, Jesus coming into the world is coming. He says, for we have all, for, 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 uh, for of his fullness we have all received and grace, uh, grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And this is the witness of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites, Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So they're just saying, who are you to talk about all this stuff? This guy doesn't have a seminary training. He doesn't have a degree. He's, he, he has no standing in the culture to be able to say any of this. And he confessed and did not deny, I am not the Christ. Now some of you know, this is where I picture John. And what I picture John is, I mean, bold as you are, You've been speaking and nobody's checking up on you and now everybody in the planet is coming down you and they are one step away from the Romans. So what you say next is going to count. Trust me, this is going to cost you. Some of you know and know what it's like to face that moment where you have got to tell the truth and it will cost you. Some of us have passed that moment and some of us have not. We know the pain that we carry when we face that moment and we don't tell the truth. We back away from it. We massage it. We make it almost true. Make it true enough. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings or we don't want to receive the consequences. John, I love this picture of John looking up and going, you wanted to know whether I was Jesus and saying I'm Jesus, I'm not. And you can imagine the people that are following him maybe hoping that he is Jesus. If I were John, there'd be a temptation. Man, Maybe I am. I mean, I kind of do some Jesus-y things. I'm kind of Messiah-ish. I just go, maybe it's me. I could have said, I might be the Messiah. But John knew clearly in his heart, he knew that that was not his job. He knew what his role was. His His role was to be a light for the Kairos moment that is coming, for the light that's coming. He is a light, but he's not the light. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah, prophet from the Old Testament, who was said to come back before the Messiah would come back? They said Elijah would would be seen. He says, no. And and they said then to him, who are you? So So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. You hear the threat? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the Isaiah prophet said, he's quoting, the old, he's quoting the book of Isaiah there. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. John is setting up this battle that's going to be going on. And they asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them saying, I baptize in, in water. I love this moment. But among you stands, no, among you. So now, now you can imagine. He just said the magic words. What he just said is, There's someone in the midst right here 
who is the light. Now, this is the idea of vision. He's standing right in the middle of everybody. No one can see him. Can you imagine? I'm sitting here with my buddy who brought me down here. I didn't even need to be baptized. He brought me anyway. And this guy is up there, pretty charismatic. Maybe he's the one. And then he says, no, but he's here right now. The kairos has happened. In the midst, in, in the midst of you, he's there. And I'm just imagining myself looking around. Jim, is that you? Were you the guy? Steve, are you it? You're not it, are you, Steve? It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him. You can picture the scene. This guy who had been in their midst that nobody had seen him. There's nothing, says Isaiah, that we would recognize him. He doesn't, he's not a good-looking guy. I saw this, you know, this series on the Bible on whatever channel it was, and I looked at the calendar when I went in. It was Christmas shopping, and I was in there looking for a calendar for my dad, and there's the Jesus thing. For what, what channel was that? Doggone it. And what, what? History channel? Yeah, now I'm going to offend somebody here. But you know what I learned about Jesus from the calendar? He's a really good-looking guy strikingly good looking. I was like, wow. And German. I was like, wow. (laughs) You learn something every day. No, says Isaiah. You would not pick him out of a crowd, says Isaiah. And that's proof because he was there the, the day before. Nobody noticed him. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and he says, behold. Which means look. And I can picture John's voice softening. And this sense of joy. John's job was to do this moment. The Lamb of God. That's who he is. Not the mighty soldier. Not the one who's going to come and take over Rome. The Lamb. This symbol of Meekness, something you can pick up and carry. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of who I said, after me comes a man who has a rank, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And I did not recognize him. But in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness saying, I have beheld the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained upon him. So this is, you you see the picture. John's out there doing his thing. He's baptizing people, saying, get ready. The kairos is upon us. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And you can imagine, I mean, if I was John, I'd be a little nervous. What if I'm wrong? And his vision, he sees this dove come down that nobody else sees. And lights on this ordinary looking man. The Messiah has come. The first, what would it be like to be John? You're the first to see Jesus. You're the first one in the crowd, your eyes. I don't have a clue what it would have been like to be John. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon 
who you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this, he says, pointing to Jesus, is the Son of God. Now you can imagine the Pharisees sitting there going, you're crazy. This guy? This carpenter's son? That guy that grew up just not too far from here? That guy? I saw that guy when he was running around in diapers. That guy? That guy who needed help lifting that big tool last week? That guy? And again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. I love this scene. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Can you imagine, John? He's got these guys that are following him, learning his ways. They're they're wanting to learn from John. John points at the guys, and there's this understanding between them that it's time to go. Your journey starts now. You've come this far with me, but your real journey is with Jesus. And Jesus turned, and you can picture Jesus, this ordinary guy, turning around and looking, seeing them, not seeing past them. You know what it's like to be in a crowd where people are talking to you, but they're half looking over your shoulder at the person. They're trying to find their spouse. Maybe they're here. I gotta meet them. Don't wanna miss them. Or maybe there's someone more popular to talk to. You know what it's like to be talked to like that? Like you're one person in a long line of people that they're gonna talk to. But you can imagine Jesus turning around, seeing them. And he says, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. They still don't understand. Where are you staying? They said. I love that. That's such an awkward question. It's like, that's not what you would picture them asking. It's like, where are you staying? Weird question. Holiday Inn? He said to them, he said to them, come. And this is the line. And you will see. And watch this. They came thereafter. I love this. And he saw and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. You can see they're already starting to dawn. It's not just a teacher, this is the guy. This is not just another person to follow, this is the one. Andrew goes to Simon. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and he says, you are Simon, son of John. He says, you should be called Cephas, which translates to Peter. The next day he purposed to go forth to Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was, with, with, was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. You see it starting to catch. Everybody's grabbing their friends. Everybody's grabbing the ones that they know and say, come, we found him. It's not just another teacher, it's him. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, what do you think he says? The words he's already heard. Come and see. Here's my invitation for you this weekend. You have a way of looking at the world 
Here's the great thing. You, in some way, shape, or form, are like Nathaniel, are like Peter, are like Andrew. Somehow, some way, your heart's been tapped. Your spirit's been tapped. You've looked up. You have college studies to do. You have things to manage. You have families to go to. And somehow, somewhere, and I would love to hear the stories this weekend, somehow, Jesus has come into your life and you've looked up. Some of you have accepted that. Some of you are fighting that like crazy. That's all right. But you're here. (laughs) The next step, and this is what I'm going to invite you to, is to come and see. What Jesus is going to do with people, and I love this, is he's going to say, you have a view of the world, and I'm going to ask you to put it down for a while. You have a way of seeing people, a way of seeing the future, a way of seeing your past, a way of seeing yourself, a way of seeing God, a way of seeing Jesus. Come and see doesn't just mean come and watch. It means come and see, which means you are going to have to see with new eyes. That's what I'm inviting you to. What I challenge you tonight, before you go to sleep, is I'm going to challenge you to say yes or no to that. That's all. Because that's all he asked right in the beginning. Yes or no. Come and see. Tomorrow, we'll talk about some of the ways that we see. Saturday night, I'm going to give you a way to see that I think you will like. Sunday, we're going to talk about some practical things so that it begins to actually transfer into your life. Okay? Good to be with you. If you see me, come and introduce yourself because I probably won't come up to you. (laughs) So I am. God, thank you for everybody here. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for John. Thank you for his courage. Thank you for Jesus who saw and invited us to come and see. And I do pray for that. I pray for our eyes. I pray for the way that we see that we will walk out of this weekend seeing differently. And all God's people said, Amen.